0: You know, rather than tell my, my entire vocation story, I just want to focus on one aspect of that story. So this happened in my final year, I guess, at seminary formation. And so basically, um, you know, in seminary, you, you can kind of be with the guys and take classes and whatnot. And you kind of forget that eventually you got to make a decision. Right? Eventually you got to make a decision as to whether or not you want to go forward and, and get ordained or, or leave the seminary and, and do other things. And so, um, you know, when it came to my final year, like things were kind of coming to a head. And I remember feeling kind of stressed and overwhelmed by the whole thing. So I, I did what um, I would typically do when I was feeling kind of stressed and overwhelmed. I would go to see a movie by myself. And I was thinking to myself, okay, whatever's playing at this particular weird time, um, short of like, a, like an overtly immoral movie, like I'll, I'll definitely go see that, right? So the movie I went to see was called Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So needless to say, a bit, a bit of a spoiler alert here. But basically, there's this wimpy kid. And um, his whole goal in the movie is to become the most popular kid in school, right? And he has this this best friend named Rowley, who's this kind of pudgy kid, socially awkward, but good, you know, loyal, good, loyal, faithful kid. And the wimpy kid comes up with all these schemes, again, to become the most popular kid in school. And, you know, surprise, surprise, they don't work, right? So instead of becoming more popular, he becomes less popular. And, uh, anyways, things really come to a head. And and basically, um, you know, it gets to the point where. These older kids who are, are put in a compromised situation partway through the movie because of one of the wimpy kids' failed schemes. The older kids, they, they kind of capture the wimpy kid and rally and, and they want to punish basically both of them for this thing that was done earlier on in, in the movie. And so they're in this playground and they're looking for for something to do in terms of like what to do again to punish these kids. And they see this moldy piece of cheese. And if you've seen Diet of a Wimpy Kid, basically there was this kind of urban legend which developed around this moldy piece of cheese back in the day, and, and it was explained by this other student where basically there was this, um, I guess, Eastern European kid who accidentally touched the, the piece of, of cheese and he developed this thing called the cheese touch, right? And so you know, people just thought like he was gross and by touching the, the cheese and, and so and he didn't understand English, right? And so it's kind of funny. So he, he eventually was was banished from the school um, because you know, he was just socially ostracized. And so, uh, yeah, was, there was that situation. And so you, you just kind of bring it back to the current situation in the movie just to think it through, right? So if this Eastern European kid is like banished to where he came from, because he touched the cheese what's going to happen to these other people when they're made to eat the cheese because that's the punishment that the older kids come up with right so they're thinking okay let's let's get um these two guys the wimpy kid and rally to eat this moldy piece of cheese and and that'll be their their punishment and so rather than have the wimpy kid uh, eat the cheese first they have rally eat the cheese right so again rally good kid faithful innocent right He, he was just long for the ride when the wimpy kid was trying to level all these different schemes, and, and he's the one who's made to eat the moldy piece of cheese, and so he takes a bite, right? He eats the cheese. At which point, the the recess bell goes off, and and all these kids um, come out from the school, and they see, you know, all the kids together, the older kids, wimpy kid uh, rally, and more to the point, they see rally with this with this half, you know, eaten piece of cheese, and they're pointing at him, and they're about to hate him and reject him forever at which point, um, you know, the camera turns to rally and he is just devastated. Like he's just completely crushed because he knows, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be hated and, and rejected forever. And the wimpy kid sees this. This is like the end of the movie, right? And so when the wimpy kid sees this when he does, he steps into the fray, he steps in front of his friend, um, shields him from the crowd in a certain sense and says, I ate the cheese. I ate the cheese, you know? And, um, you know, the whole school, they end up hating him but he's like that's fine you know like i'll take it so that my friend will be spared and then you know he's reunited with his friend rally and, and that's how the movie uh, basically ends and so you know the lights come up and i'm in there with you know the, the mothers and their babies and stars and shoulders, nights and i'm just like bawling my eyes out right because you know a couple reasons like rally in that movie for me he represented my christ you know certainly so good so faithful all those things but also um unloved right and we forget this about the lord right like he is the embodiment of love itself right god is love but at the same time like what does that mean for people like effectively not much like people don't really they're not really in the habit of sacrificing for the lord because they don't they don't really care they don't really care about him despite all these things that he's he's done for us right so the other thing, the other reason why I was so um, emotional about the whole thing was because I realized how, how selfish and, and prideful and ego-driven I had been as well. Right? Because you kind of look back on your time in started formation and you tell yourself in the moment, well, I was discerning, you know, I was discerning whether or not God was calling me to the priesthood or whatever, right? But in reality, what you're doing on some level, or at least what I was doing, I was kind of hedging my bets, you know. Um, kind of saying to the Lord on some level, like you have got to guarantee that when I get ordained, if I pursue this this path and do this thing that I think you want me to do, like things are going to work out for for me. Like I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be joyful, I'm not going to suffer that much, and whatever, right? Where again, in retrospect, you look back, and it's it's really you know prideful and selfish and all these things. Because when I look back, I, I always knew, I always knew that I was called to the priesthood. I always knew, but I was afraid. I was afraid that if I went ahead and did this thing, I'd be locked in a stance of depression and and whatever forever. And I was afraid of that and that's why I was kind of hedging my bets asking the Lord to give me assurances ahead of ordination whereas in reality I knew He was calling me to the Holy Priesthood. And so I kind of decided at that moment that you know I was kind of focusing on the wrong questions. Like the questions I should have been focused on weren't so much my questions, they were kind of like the Lord's questions, right? So, like, some variation of what you find in the gospel, right? Like, so first of all, who do you say that I am, right? Like Caesarea Philippi, St. Peter stuff, right? Like, so who do you say that I am? Do you believe I am God? Do you believe I am, you know, the Savior of the world? Um, Do you believe I'm your father? Do you believe I I am the love of your life, basically, right? And then secondly, the corresponding question, again, you know, shades of St. Peter, do you love me? And you see, if the answer is yes, he will always respond with some variation of, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, he would always respond with some invitation to participate in his mission. And so, what ended up happening, even though it might sound kind of strange, I decided ultimately to to get ordained, thinking that every single day after I got ordained would be a total disaster, in the sense of being um, depressed and sad and whatever. But I thought to myself, well, you know, if that's the case, like so be it, because um, you know, Christ is Lord. Uh, I love Him and what are you going to do right if the lord calls what are you going to do like how can you not lay down your life in a sense of sacrificial love and, and service and all those things right You know. now before i get to kind of how the thing ultimately ended right I, I, I want to tell you about this conversation i have with my director back in the day which kind of framed this thing we're talking about right so basically i remember again thinking about how things were coming to a head and, and how i was feeling and stuff and i remember saying to him through um through tears actually that you know I know the Lord has called me to do this thing and I feel, I feel it's going to end up in disaster. But, you know, I know that that he knows that I'm going to do it anyways, even though I feel like it's going to end in disaster in my own personal emptiness and sadness and all these things. And like, I feel like an idiot uh, for persevering with that particular mindset, right? And I remember my director, God bless him. um, He said in response, don't you see how much you love the Lord? Don't you see how much you love the Lord? And I had never, I had never seen it like that. I had never seen it from that perspective. I, I always thought, like, well, gosh, if you, if you lay down your life out of service to Christ, if you choose to die to yourself out of, out of love for Christ, like that means you're, it means you're a moron. That means you're an idiot. But um, I want to tell you, friends, like what I've kind of realized in retrospect was that, um, that that is not true, right? Certainly, that the priesthood is challenging, just like any vocation, right? The, the priesthood is is challenging, but I I have never felt the joy that I felt as a priest before my life. You know, it's it's an absolutely amazing and incredible, and and you know, in a certain sense, especially in those moments where it's hard and it's difficult, but you know, okay, the Lord calls me to be here to to do this thing. Uh, to persevere, even though it's challenging and difficult. There's a joy even in the midst of that. And so, um, yeah, I got to say I have absolutely no regrets. The Lord will never be outdone in generosity, right? And living out the Christian life with authenticity, it has to have this vibe. Like, we know this intuitively, but this is where the rubber hits the road. Like, what do you actually believe? The only way to not just find new life, but to live out the church's mission And to bring people to Christ is to really have the courage to lay down your life out of love for Christ.